Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. Will, would you turn with me to the book of, uh, I'm going to take you to a few places, Matthew chapter 6, and, and, and then we're going to go to the book of Second Chronicles. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6 and then go to the book of Second Chronicles. Um, as you're turning to that, whether, you're, whether it's your app or your Bible that you brought with you today, um, I just want to digress for just a, a moment as, as I open up this word. Um, for those who don't know, and for many you may know all this already if you're on social media and you've seen the Facebook posts, but um, a dear friend of ours, a dear friend of this church, a dear friend of this city, um, passed away a week ago Saturday, um, Ormel Chapin. And uh, it was, I didn't know it until after church last Sunday that he had passed away, but he had passed away Sunday night, or Saturday night, the 23rd. And uh, I had went down two weeks ago to Bend with a few other pastors and uh, just to pray over him. Uh, for those who know, he's a mighty man of God and his beautiful wife Sandy as well. And they go, they date with us as far as our church back to 2004. 2004, my wife's known him since she was a senior in high school um, because he was the district youth director for Oregon for 12 years. And uh, she would go to youth conventions, uh, which is coming up again here in October for the kids, but go to youth convention and, and he would be the coordinator and oftentimes the speaker. And um, so she knew him there. In fact, she's the one who introduced him to me and in 2004. And if you remember, we had a tent crusade then. Uh, we put up a big red and white tent for 25 days, and uh, he spoke for the majority of the nights that we had that tent up, and God did some mighty things. And God spoke some mighty things through him. Uh, he came with a word from the Lord. And, uh, and so we've had a, some, a, a relationship with him over these years. And, and um, I went down two weeks ago, and some other pastors we got in contact with, and, and we were only with them maybe for 20, 25 minutes, and, um, and uh, we had the opportunity to pray over him, to pray for him. We were believing God for healing. Uh, but the word that the Lord just put on my heart that night as we prayed with him was that God is a good, good father. That's who he is, and because of who he is, I am loved. That's the song. You may be some of you familiar with the song, Good, Good Father. In fact, as we began to pray, one pastor prayed, and then it was my turn to pray, and, and I, didn't, I almost didn't even know what to pray. And then, then all of a sudden, that, that word came to me that our God is a good, good father. I mean, because if you know Ormel, he, is still, he was still vibrant all the way up to the end. In my mind, in fact, I was at the funeral this week. Uh, it was just it was this Thursday and Friday. There was a two parts to it, and... and uh, um, and to, to witness, the Bible says that how beautiful is the sight of, of a, a saint who enters the presence of God, meaning who passes on. Um, I was a, privileged to be a part of the services Thursday and Friday. And, uh, and again, 
to be a witness to a mighty man of God is such as Ormel Chapin. And so I just encourage you to be praying for his wife, Sandy. Uh, Sandy, when she was at the service, she became more the encourager than the one needing encouragement. Uh, she got up, and, and with God's presence and power, she spoke and just encouraged the 500-plus the that were in attendance. And so um, uh, it, really, in a, in a, it really reminds you, let me say it this way, it really reminds you of what really matters in this life. It reminds you that this life really is all about eternity and living our life based on eternity. This life that we have here today, whether it's 50 years, 75 years, or even 100 years, it is but a, it is but a spark that, that, that comes off of a campfire. It's just that moment in time. Or it's that vapor that comes off of a hot boiling water. It's, that, it's here one moment, it's gone the next. And what we do in this life really matters because it will predict, it will set the tone for how you will spend eternity. And of course, what Ormel loved and cherished was the presence of God. He cherished God's presence. He enjoyed walking with God, talking with God. And, and, and like Paul the Apostle would say, I would apply this to Pastor Ormel. I, he, Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. And now he is, as the word says he, in Hebrews, he's part of that, that um, uh, stadium full of those cheering the rest of us on. Uh, we're still in the race. We're running the track. And he has now joined, the Bible says, that heavenly congregation or that host that's in the stands cheering us on by their legacy and their life and lifestyle. And so um, I just encourage you to be praying for the Chapin family and and, uh, and, of course, to just give honor uh, and to say, Lord, you know, because my prayer is this, that the words he prophesied over this place, would, that we would see them. Amen? And that and we know that it being God's word, that, that uh, God's word does not go out without accomplishing what it was meant to do. Amen? It does not return any less powerful or powerless than the moment it was breathed and spoken. And so... Amen. This has been kind of how our week went this week. If you will, though, this morning, I'm very excited about this word. I'm going to speak it over the next few Sundays called Aligned. Um, one of these days, maybe I'll have Chris come up and give us a good explanation of what that means in the Les Schwab world, but maybe another Sunday. But uh, to be aligned. This is a verse that I want to use for the next several weeks as kind of a springboard into various parts of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You may wonder, how do I do that? We're going to talk about it here. Where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the key verse I'm going to use for the next couple weeks. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As I was reading that verse, this other verse came to mind as well, and we'll, and we'll develop it over the next few weeks, but in Matthew 12, 35, it says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings evil things. And so it really matters where you put your treasure because it's out of that 
treasure chest. It's out of that experience. It's out of that, um, those priorities. It's out of those uh, things that you count precious that you're going to draw from in the future. And if you're investing in things that rust or that can be stolen or that can be lost, then when you go to draw from them, there will be nothing there. But Paul says, or Matthew says here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as you will, I'm going to make more of an introduction, but can you turn with me now to 2 Chronicles chapter 7? 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When you find it, say amen. All right, you guys are fast. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. You know, when we, when we think about God, one thing is for sure, God loves us. Amen? No matter what we do, his love will never change. We talk about him being a good father. Well, even before we knew him, the Bible says that he so loved us. Even when we were still separate from him, even when we were running away from him, he, his love never changed. But today I want to talk about not just his love, but I want to talk about his favor. Love, I'll give you some examples here when it comes to comparisons. Love covers, the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sin. Meaning that it does not shame or it does not embarrass, it does not make a spectacle of, but love covers. But then there's this thing that we're going to talk about today called favor. Favor gives uncommon access, uncommon blessing. Love sees the value of a soul while favor sees the value of obedience or coming in line with. Love forgives, but favor promotes. As I set this message up this morning, to be aligned means you are setting yourself in a position to experience God's uncommon blessings in all areas of your life, whether it's life, marriage, finance, business, ministry, promotions, pay raises, increase in sales, favor and purchases on that, on that home, whatever, whatever it is, God says here, I want you to experience my uncommon blessings. Turn to your neighbor and say, uncommon blessing. Uncommon blessing. Something that is above and beyond that you can't explain. Uh, because when it comes to God's favor, some say it this way, God's favor ain't fair, in that good English, ain't fair. God's favor ain't fair. It never makes sense. God does things, he doesn't have to ask for permission, he doesn't have to ask us if it's, if it's uh, you know, if, if we like it or not necessarily, although his friends he does ask, like Abraham and those men and those individuals that have, that have walked uh, through human history, but generally speaking, he will just want, as a, as a good father, he just wants to give you uncommon things that you would not anticipate if it wasn't for the fact that it was God. Amen? And so as we read this, as we read this Solomon experienced a favor because he understood what it meant to align himself with God above, as Solomon would even say, above all every other God. He did something to align himself, he would be considered uh, one of the, the wisest, wealthiest, most influential men that ever walked the face, of the face of the earth besides Jesus Christ. He had such wisdom that it left kings and governors speechless. 
they would come and see the, 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 the setup of his kingdom, and they would literally be overwhelmed by this king, by his, the favor that he was experiencing. And so the word says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. And when I shut up, and when I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people... Verse 14, we know this verse well. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes, and he's talking to Solomon, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified or set apart this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, and do according to all that I have commanded, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom. As I, as I covenant with David, with your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man as a ruler in Israel." you will not fail to have a man as a ruler in Israel. We see here that God, this, was, this is in chapter 7. These were, these were, uh, this took place, this situation here actually took place after Solomon had taken some steps to align himself with God the Father. In fact, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, and I'll allude to it, it's not on the slides here, but Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. The Lord established him. God Solomon, he took steps to establish himself, to align himself. God says, if you, will, if you will obey my commands. In other words, if you'll take my commands and just walk in them. He says, if you'll obey my statutes. In other words... The principles that we're going to talk about for the, in the next few weeks. There's principles here that apply to family, business, life, ministry. He says, if you will walk in them, he says, even if you'll walk in my judgments, meaning what's a judgment? It's a final decision. It's accepting God's decision on a matter, whether it makes sense or not, whether you agree with it or not. It's realizing that God is sovereign and God is right and he's righteous, meaning that, that he's not a man that should lie and he knows exactly what needs to happen. Even, you know, his wisdom is far beyond our own. There are times when God will come down with a decision and say, you know what, this is my plan for you. This is my desire for you. This is my will for you. He says, if you will, if you will accept and abide, he says, I will, I will grant you uncommon blessing. I will establish you in this life. You know, for just a moment, I think of Ormel Chapin this week, and, and he was a man who, in my opinion, exemplified this. He, he did certain things that aligned himself, and he was an example, for those who know him, he's a good example of one who experienced uncommon blessing. But it's not just for the evangelist or the preacher. It's for the one in the pew this morning. It's for you. It's for your neighbor. It's for your son. It's for your daughters. It's for your husband. It's for your wife. 
It's for those who you have that, that, that have also said, I want to align myself. I want to uh, walk in God's blessings. And we see here that, that he had done something that caught God's attention, so much so that the word says that God said, every time you come talk to me, my eyes are open and my ears are listening to what you're saying. Don't you love it? It's hard to find these days, but don't you love it when, you have, when you're sitting down and talking to someone and you have their soul attention? You know, the cell phone's put away. Can you say amen? You're not fighting for time. You know, you're, you know there's no distractions. God was saying, he says, whenever you talk to me, Solomon, I guarantee you this, every time you talk to me, I'm going to be looking. Every time you talk to me, I'm going to be listening. You have my soul attention. In fact, the Bible says that the definition of favor is when God's face is looking right at you. It's like a child who has the favor of a mom or dad. It's when mom and dad's faces are looking at their son and daughter as they're talking to them, as they're as they're conversing with them, as they're spending time with them. That is a sign of favor. And so we see here, and I'm just going to touch on some verses through this part of, of Second Chronicles, but there were several things that he did, and I'm going to go through them quickly. Number one, Solomon treasured God's presence. Solomon treasured. What does that mean? He treasured being in the presence of God. He treasured having that soul attention. Do you realize this, that God, he desires to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you? He desires to talk to you as a friend with a friend? There are people all throughout the Bible that he calls a friend, that he walked with them, he talked with them, he, he, he had time with them, he spent time with them. Uh, they were called friends of God, so much so that God says, how can I do this thing unless I talk to my friend Abraham? How can I do this thing unless I talk to my friend Isaac? He had friends. He has friends. He wants to be friends with us. And then Solomon took steps to align his heart and life to that of God's heart. And so what was one of the first steps? Number one, he made a decision to pursue God. He made a decision to pursue God. In the opening chapter, in verse 3, the word says, uh, it tells us, this is on it, it talks about, in verse 3, it says, Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place. They went there to a place called the Tabernacle of Meeting with God. This was a tabernacle. This was a tent that Moses had actually established and that Moses would visit to talk with God. Now Solomon has gone to that same tent to meet with God. Let me ask you this question. Do you have a place to meet with God? Do you... When I say a place, a place could be in your car during lunch break. A place could be in that closet, per se, that bedroom, that, uh, you know, that room of your house. It could be a path that you walk when you walk the trails around Hermiston. What is that place? Do you have a place where you are intentionally pursuing after God? Where you're intentionally going after him, talking to him? So number one, he, to align himself to get himself in a position where he could experience uncommon blessing, number one, he made a decision to pursue God. 
Keep in mind, the first verse says he established himself. How? Basically, the rest of Chronicles describe how Solomon established himself as king. Number one, he pursued God. Secondly, he made a decision to worship God. The word says in verse 6, it says, Solomon, in chapter 1, verse 6, Solomon went up to the altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. A thousand burnt offerings. Now, in those days, this was before the time of Jesus, they would offer offerings, sacrifices to God. That was to cover our sin but it didn't get rid of it. It just covered it. And then Jesus came and Jesus, the son of God, was the ultimate sacrifice. He both covered and forgave. We have a, when we accept Jesus into our heart and life, we have a clean slate. We stand before God as though we have never sinned. Amen. We have no rap sheet. We have no place to go and say, well, don't you remember this happened? No. We see here that he made a decision to worship God. He offered sacrifices to the Lord. He accepted the fact that he could not come uh, by his own good works. It wasn't just because he was David's son that he came, but he came because he had said, Lord, it is the sacrifice that you made that I could even come to you, that I can spend time with you. And on that same day, the word says, on that night, God appeared to Solomon. He asked him the question. God asked Solomon a question. He said, ask, what shall I give you? In other words, when we, when we decide to pursue him and when we spend time in worship, God begins to speak to us. He says, tell me, what's on your heart, Terry? What's in your heart, Teresa? What's on your heart, Becky? What's on your heart, Tony? What's on your heart, Bonnie? What's on your heart, Linda? What is on your heart? Tell me, what do you want from me? Because that's what this favor is all about. That's what this relationship is all about. God, being a good, good father, he wants to give gifts to his children. He wants to bless. He wants to encourage. He wants to provide uh, for his kids. What was Solomon's response? He said, Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before your people. For who can judge this people of yours? Meaning, who can lead this people of yours? What was, what was Solomon actually saying when he said, he says, Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge. What he was saying was this was, he was saying, God, I want to get into your headspace. God, I want to think like you. I want to understand situations like you do. I, I, it's more than just knowing. Sometimes when we approach God, it's us petitioning him and waiting for him to tell us what to do per se or what the answer is going to be. But in reality, God says, I want you to be so kind of in the same headspace with me that when you begin to say, Lord, what about this? What about that? That immediately you know what God's heart is for that situation. That's what it means to be aligned. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. That's what it means to know God's will for your life. And what did God say in verse 11 and 12 of that chapter? He says, because this was in your heart, and you did not ask for wealth or riches or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you 
have the like. What's God saying? Even to this day, 2017, God is saying that nobody would have the wealth or riches like King Solomon. Why? Because King Solomon said, Lord, I want to think your thoughts. I want to work in tandem with you. I want, and, and what he did was by making, by pursuing God and by making sacrifices and by worshiping God, what was he doing? His heart was turning toward God. So in the process of this, number three, he declared God's goodness. In chapter five, we jump ahead. The word says that, that Solomon began building a tabernacle for God. He began building a house for God. He knew that God could not reside in that house. He says, but this house is simply to offer up offerings. He said, there's no way we can contain God. How many of you know we cannot contain all of God? But we are that house now. He abides in all of us. We are his, the Bible says, know you not that you are the temple now of the Holy Spirit? Know you not that you are the place where God now abides? Solomon says a physical house cannot contain him. But nonetheless, the Bible says that Solomon would begin to build this house and he'd begin to dedicate it. And in the dedication of it, Solomon's worship leaders would say this phrase, for he is good, for his love endures forever. Number one, he pursued God. Secondly, he worshiped God. Thirdly, he declared the goodness of God. It is the, good, the goodness of God or God's goodness is foundational to understanding and knowing his heart. I have, I'll, I'll, it's, it's hard sometimes when you're, when you're facing a, a, a circumstance or a trial or a test of sorts to still say God is good. You think of Job. When Job was covered in boils and, and, and out under a, a, under a shade tree and he lost everything, he was the wealthiest man of his age, and he lost everything. And yet, what were his words? He says, the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, he not once did Job question God's goodness. He said in everything, God is good. I, I challenge you here this morning, if you want to align yourself, and this is the way we think. The Bible says that life and death are in the tongue. You're either going to speak death or you're going to speak life. You could say, this is a horrible job. This is a bad situation. I hate this place. I hate this thing. Or you can say to yourself or to God, you could say, God is good. God is faithful. God knows. God has an answer. There's an answer coming whether I see it or not. We have to begin to acknowledge God's goodness. Because the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. He does not change. Paul says in the New Testament, he says, it's the goodness of God that brings me to a place of brokenness and humility. It's, it's God's goodness that overwhelms me, he says, and brings you to a place of total commitment. And so he worshiped, he pursued, he declared God goodness. He also declared God's love. That same verse, 5, 2 Chronicles 5.13, says, For he is good and his love or his mercy endures forever. We said this earlier in the service. It is the love of God that drives out all fear. It drives it out. 
Many of us here today, we need to have an encounter with the love of God. A love that is holy, a love that is pure, a love that, is, that, that never fails. First John tells us that God is love. To know God is to know love, for God is love. Meaning that he covers, he protects, he guards, he, he, he is there, uh, he is for you, he's not against you. What Solomon was saying, because Solomon would come up against many future enemies, many future circumstances, many future things that would cause him to question the goodness of God or the love of God. But all the way, but all the while long, this is what Solomon would say. He would say, God is, or he is good, and his mercy or his love endures forever. Whatever that thing you're facing right now, you need to speak out, God is good and his love endures forever. Amen? Can you say that with me? God is good, and his love endures forever. From generation to generation to generation. And then what did he do? He also celebrated God. You know, every time we come on a Sunday morning, what are we doing? We're celebrating. Every Sunday... It, Sundays should not be, let me say it this way, Sundays are not a place to catch up and, and, and just solely to say, i got to get filled up so I can make it through the week. But in reality, Sundays are a response to a week of God's goodness and God's love. Amen? Amen? In other words, when we come together and when we open up with worship, the Bible talks about, it says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, whether it's the stringed instruments or the keyed instruments or the percussions or, or our hands or our voices, whatever it is, or the dancing of our feet. He says, let everything that hath breath give praise. Solomon, in and around the time he's, he's building this tabernacle and he's, he's even dedicating it to the worship of God, there are weeks of celebrations going on. How many of you know that heaven is one big celebration? One big party. But we are to be reflection of heaven. Amen? Meaning that when we come into a gathering, whether, whether it's a gathering of 100 or whether it's a gathering of two in the aisle of Safeway or Walmart, it ought to be a celebration. Amen? It ought to be a time of rejoicing to say God is so good and his love endures forever. And so Solomon, he understood what it meant. In fact, in chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, look over to chapter 7. This is what happened when at the, at the closing of this celebration, in verse 10, the Bible says, on the 23rd day of that month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in their heart for the good things that God had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. In other words, when they went home from this celebration, they went home with joy and gladness. When people leave your house after dinner, are they leaving home, going home happy? <laughs> Are they going home celebrating? After they run into you at the bank, are they walking away celebrating? Are you sending them away praising God? Sending them away reminded that, yes, God is good and that God loves me? Amen? Amen? For those who don't know what that means, that means yes. So be it. Preach it, pastor. That's a good word. That's what that means. Amen? When people walk away from you, are they celebrating the goodness of God? 
Or are they in the mully grubs and saying, oh God, <laughs> oh God, help. Solomon, he demonstrated the God's goodness and God's mercy. Number six, he received the promise of God's presence, therefore his favor. When you do these things, and I'm asking you, you may want to write these things down and meditate on these things through the week, but when you do these things, what are they? I'll repeat them again. Number one, make a decision to follow Jesus. That's the first step. Secondly, make a decision to worship God. Thirdly, declare his goodness over everything. Number four, declare his love. Number five, celebrate him in every opportunity. Number six, when you do these things, God says, every time you come to me, you're going to have my sole attention. You're, you're saying, but, God, but there's millions of people, Pastor, seven billion people on planet Earth. How can you have? This is who God is. When you, when you realize, and when you have such a God encounter with him that you realize he's talking, the God of heaven and earth, the one who created the heavens and the one who spoke light into existence, the one who breathed life into, the, into Adam's body, the one who uh, spoke and there was light, this same God is now speaking to me and he's telling me that every time you come and celebrate me, worship me, pursue me, come after me, that I am listening, you've got my full attention. That is something that we ought to find encouragement in. Jesus warned the disciples in Matthew chapter 6. He said, don't use just vain repetition as the world uses or the unbeliever. They think that they're being heard by their many words. But God says here, he says, but he says, do not, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask it. That's what it means to be aligned. Even before you ask it, he already knows because you are already in his presence. You're already in, you're, you're in his headspace and he is in your headspace. He knows your heart and you know his heart. Amen? And so God says here, you don't have to be like the world. You don't have to be like the religious people who think it's just the repetitious prayers. I hope that God is hearing me. I hope God's listening. No, you know that every time... God is saying, I'm here. I'm here. That when things happen, I'm here. I'm with you. And so number seven, what was the outcome? His heart was turned toward God. His tr he treasured God's presence. He aligned himself for God's blessings. The things that we do, these acts of faith, these steps of faith, what is it doing? It's turning our heart toward him. I'm going to ask Nathan if he'll come right now. He, a couple days ago, we hang, we hang out a lot because he lives with me still. And uh, he says, Dad, I need to go and get my own place. I'm like, not yet, son. Stick around for a while, you know. But uh, he was sharing something the other day, and, I, and it really it confirmed the word that I felt to preach today and, and for the next few weeks. But share the testimony you have, Nathan. Yeah, so um, I recently got back from a um, conference called School of Power and Love with Todd White. I don't know if you guys know who that is or not, but um, it was really incredible. It was in Portland about a month ago. And um, ever since I've come back, I've been trying to live intentionally. Um, like, like there's a difference between doing outreach and being the outreach, you know, and I feel like God um, 
intended for us to be the outreach and, and just through our lives being able to, to display his love and, and be that love that, he's talk, that he talks about in the Bible so much. Um, so I'm sitting at McDonald's um, because that's, that's honestly where, I don't know, that's, that's just where I go to get my work done. It's got good Wi-Fi and stuff. And, I'm, and I, <laughs> I check my wallet because I'm like, okay, I get paid in like five days. So, so and I'm trying, because I kind of like, like to gauge how much money I can spend per day, you know, do I need gas, that kind of thing. So I have $31 in my wallet, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could, I could just blow this all on McDonald's and, you know, just stuff that I, that I want, or I could, I could spend it on somebody else and invest in the kingdom. Um, because I had actually recently just been reading this verse that says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And the way that I read it is because he, uh, he says, don't store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroyed, uh, but store for yourselves treasures or don't store for yourself treasure on earth, but in heaven. Um, the way I read it is if my heart is not in that place already, then, I, then through my actions, I need to do something to shift my heart. Um, and so, so that's what I did. So I just said, God, who do you want me to give this to? And um, I'm a big fan of like words and knowledge and stuff like that. Like I feel like God likes to speak to me and he wants to speak to everybody here as well. Um, and I just got this picture of a, of a lady sitting on a bench and she was wearing a purple shirt. And so the closest place to McDonald's is, is Walmart. So I just went there and I started walking around. I looked through, I looked for all the benches. I didn't see anybody sitting down. And so I was like, man, and I, and as I'm leaving Walmart, I said, God, I'm determined to give this to somebody. So we might as well just make it happen. So, so I drove, I was on my way driving to uh, the park. Um, I think it's opposite. Is it Elm street on walking the end of Elm, Elm yeah. street? And on my way there, there was this lady at uh, Funland park and she was sitting in her car wearing a purple shirt. And I'm just, and I, so I'm like, that's the one, you know, like I know it's her. And so I pull up next to her and it was kind of awkward at first. Cause like, I'm obviously like about to go talk to her, but, and she, I think she knew it too. Um, and so I walk up to her and I'm like, excuse me. Um, my name's Nathan. I, I'm a Christian and I just believe that I just felt like I was telling me to give this money to you. And so I just want to give this to you. And she started laughing and she was like, oh my goodness, it's my lucky day. You know, she didn't speak that much English, but, but she was really happy. And I said, yeah, and I don't know, I don't know what this means to you, but I just want you to know that, that Jesus loves you with all his heart and, and he wants to have a relationship with you and, and he loves you so much. He has an amazing plan for your life. And I just began to pour in, you know, the truth about what God says in the Bible. I, gave, I, gave, I began to like kind of call her into her destiny in Christ and the relationship he wanted to have with her. And, you know, with, with tears in her eyes, I just saw, I just saw her like well up with tears and stuff. And, and in that moment, it's like, you know, that you have the, the attention of God, you know, like, like when, when you do something that has nothing to do with the attention of others, but only God, there's something, there's an incredible feeling inside. And so I just walked away from that feeling like, like, wow, God, you used me to, to, you know, to share love with somebody. You used me like, I don't know. That's incredible. But, um, that's, and through that whole encounter, it kind of makes me, makes me realize that like $30 spent on myself can only go so far, but $30 invested in the kingdom can impact somebody for all of eternity. And that's something that I, that that's the way I want to live for the rest of my life. So that's my story. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.